0: Would you like to have more influence to create the changes that you see need to be made? Like one of my clients, she's a program manager and works in a large hospital system, and all the senior leaders are doctors. They aren't the most open-minded to the opinions of those under them, shall we say. After intentionally working on her executive presence for quite some time, she sent me an exciting DM to say that her boss finally took her advice on how to run a meeting. In this episode, we're going to decode executive presence and what it actually means and how increasing it will help you increase your influence at all levels. I'm Jill Avey, a career success coach, and this is Sister Smart Leadership, the show that explores how women can rise from director to vice president and beyond. By fully leaning into their feminine energy as their biggest advantage, let's get you one step closer to the recognition and promotion you deserve. Since it's hard to explain, most women don't get direction on executive presence. More than one client has been told that they don't have enough EP, and yet no manager has been able to help them understand what it is and what they need to do to change it. It can be an awkward conversation between a man and a woman as well, given the Me Too era that we're in where men are increasingly sensitive to not wanting to overstep what they're saying to women. And so you can imagine that they're probably hesitant to even have this conversation at all. As well, we don't fit into traditional male leadership models, so it can be hard for people to understand what feminine executive presence looks like, even if they might understand it a little better from a traditional male model. Executive presence can be hard to describe. It's basically that special something about people that tells you that they're in charge when they walk into the room. And what is that? (laughs) Like, Even the scholars don't agree on how to explain executive presence, and most of them don't do a very good job of it either. I like the model of Sylvia Ann Hewlett. She describes executive presence as communication plus gravitas plus appearance. And I find that to be a really simple model. That we can use to get an understanding of what executive presence is. I've got a more complicated model that I use in my Sisters in Leadership program, and we'll cover that in a different video. But for this introductory video, I wanted to stick with the simple model. So we'll just do the communication plus gravitas plus appearance. A big misconception about executive presence is that it should just come with authority. Like, I'm in charge, I have the leadership, don't I? That's not true. Authority does not equal executive presence, unfortunately, (laughs) because when we're influencing through our authority, we get what we call compliance. I think of this as like my cat, you know, he'll do the right thing when I'm in the room, but as soon as we leave the house, the house is his. (laughs) And it's kind of the same way when we get compliance with our authority, then we'll find that things aren't being done to how we would like them to be done, not to the standards, not to the timeline, And you'll start to wonder why things aren't happening. Instead, when we can use our executive presence to influence without power, then we gain buy in and we can start to see alignment and everybody moving in the same direction because they want to, because they've bought into where you're going and how you're leading them. So with executive presence, we can lead at any level and we can lead when we're not there. These are the two main important things. So I'd like to share my screen and show you a little model that we can think about here. We can look at how executive presence changes over time with these quadrants developed by Dagley and Gaskin. So on the two axes, impression versus evaluation, we can say that someone has a dark presence if our initial impression of them is low and it decreases over time. So evaluation is how it changes over time. We all know somebody that fits into this category, don't we? (laughs) Next, we can have an unsustainable presence if we have a really strong impression, but our impression decreases over time. So this is something that can happen to charismatic leaders. And maybe you've known a leader like this where they came off really great. You just loved them at first. But then as you got to know them, you found that maybe they weren't that good at their job. Maybe they took the company in a direction that didn't work. These things can really degrade our executive presence. And as well, we have the unexpected presence. And a lot of women fall into this category where their first impression might not be as strong. Also, this can happen sometimes with appearance. If your appearance isn't quite up to snuff, then your impression can be a little bit lower when someone first meets you, and then it can rise over time. This is a quadrant that a lot of people are in. Really easy to fix this one. (laughs) Really easy to make those improvements so that your first impression can be just as strong. Then we have the positive presence. So this is really the quadrant that we're all shooting for, where we have a strong first impression and our impression continues to improve over time and that people continue to have that strong impression of our presence over time. So how does executive presence build your influence? So first, it helps you to foster a positive environment and culture. It promotes ownership and accountability in employees. It helps you to win both the hearts and the minds of your followers. People want to follow you when you have a good executive presence, and you'll get your message across better because people want to listen to you. You're more inspirational, and you'll feel more confident and more in control. I'm reminded of one client who had great results when she worked on her executive presence. She wanted to move up, yet her skip level manager had given her feedback that she wasn't ready yet. And when she asked why, he cited that she needed to level up her executive presence. So she only needed to shift a few things that made a huge impression. First, she worked on how she spoke up in meetings and then how she prepared for meetings, which also helped her to speak up better. She also shifted how she used humor. She used humor to soften her messages, but not to be funny. And she worked on her appearance to level up to be dressing at the next level above her instead of at her current level. And it's worked out really well. At her new job, she was told by one of her colleagues that she had the best executive presence and was asked how she got it. A lot of leadership training is going to tell you that you need to be a certain way to be a leader. You have to fit into the mold that they're describing. And often that mold has been shaped by masculine leadership models that were, for centuries, the only leadership models. I don't think this is how women should become better leaders. And in fact, I think it works against them, not for them. The way we define EP is the same for men as it is for women. We all need to have these qualities to lead. But that's where the similarities end. I want to talk about gender for a moment. When I talk about gender, I'm going to be using generalizations, otherwise this video would be hours long. Of course, not all women are the same, and lots of men have these strengths too. But for the sake of learning, I'm going to talk in general terms and use some stereotypes here. Because of gender bias, it can be harder for women to navigate executive presence because we face a lot of double binds that men don't. Double binds that women face with executive presence. So. The first one that always comes to mind for me is the assertive versus aggressive bind. (laughs) So women are told to ask for what they want. I've heard this my whole entire career. Women need to ask for what they want more. They need to be more assertive and there's assertiveness training. But the problem is for women that can get you into trouble. So here we face a double bind where our gender socialization says that women need to be pleasing and nice. And yet, to be seen as a leader, you need to show teeth sometimes and even use anger at times. So this is where we have a place to navigate. Our second double bind is appearance versus demeanor. This is really, do you show up looking ready for the game? That's really all it takes for men. (laughs) But for women, there's a never-ending debate about how we look. When I did the research before developing my program, I heard from everyone about how women should look. I heard about necklines too low. I heard about necklines too high. I heard about heels too high. I heard about skirts too short. I heard about too much makeup, hair, and accessories. Everything. Everyone had an opinion about how women should look. And this is very different from what men deal with. Usually, there's a sort of an outfit for whatever workplace. It used to be the suit, but now it can be jeans and a t-shirt in some places. There really isn't that much for them to navigate here, but. Take one look at politics and you can see how much women get criticized by what they wear and what they wear is really first and forefront when people are making a first impression. So the third thing is fake it till you make it confidence. (laughs) So confidence comes differently for women than men. And this is something that is really important to understand women take about 10 years longer than men to really develop their confidence. And it comes from many different areas. So I've identified at least six different areas that confidence comes from. And this fake it till you make it can feel really inauthentic to women. That's just not how we were raised. We were raised to learn and then do. And men are raised to do and learn by doing. And so this works much better for men than it does for women. Our next bind, is authenticity. Because we want to be our authentic selves when we lead. This is very important to build trust. Without authenticity, it's hard to build that trust that you need for your team to perform at the best that it can. Yet we often feel like we can't bring our whole selves to a workplace. Of course, this depends on the outside pressures that you're facing, and it can be highly culture dependent in your organization. And thankfully, there are a lot more organizations that are embracing diversity and inclusion. And so we are able to bring more of our authentic selves and have that be embraced. Our next double bind is composure and restraint versus getting angry. So men are allowed to express anger. And in fact, in their gender socialization, they're given a double bind of where we want them to express their feelings, but anger is really the only acceptable form of emotion for men to display in our culture. And for women, it's not okay for us to express anger at all. And yet sometimes it may be completely appropriate. So this is a place where we want to choose those times when we're expressing anger and express it strategically and thoughtfully rather than blowing up. (laughs) It's not all bad news, though. Women, on the other hand, are socialized to do really well in other traits. Since our socialization for us is to look out for the group, a lot of women have executive presence skills that come very naturally to them. What's easier in general for women is um, first concern, demonstrating interest in others and encouraging adaptive development and promoting a healthy and sustainable work culture. This comes totally naturally to us. Integrity. As Brene Brown defines it, integrity is choosing courage over comfort, choosing what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy, and choosing to practice our values rather than simply professing them. Choosing courage over comfort. And so integrity is something that also comes more naturally to women. If you look at the statistics for the different corporate scandals, only 8% of them have been perpetrated by women. So that's a pretty good track record. (laughs) So we're not perfect either, but (laughs) it's definitely better. Humility is our next one. Let's think about humility for a second. A lot of women have a huge strength in humility and that can also hold them back at times. So let's think about what humility really is. It's an awareness of one's strengths and one's weaknesses. It's also an openness to others and a belief that all persons have worth. So this is definitely a strength of women. And it's something that um, we need to use wisely and not give all the credit to the team is something that can happen a lot with humility. This is where we can bring in our own humility and really be thinking about What are my strengths as well as my weaknesses and that piece of how we treat others? Okay, our next executive presence facet that women are great at is inclusiveness. So we are raised to think about the team and think about how we're impacting others. In inclusiveness, we talk about actively involving others, welcoming diverse points of view, encouraging ownership in the mission and empowering initiative. These are all kinds of things that women are great at because we're raised to always be thinking about the team and the group. Intentionality is our next one. Clarifying direction and keeping action aligned, that's keeping everybody together and moving in the same direction, all without stifling dissent and also without neglecting the needs to adjust course. So, you know, I think, I mean, aren't moms the perfect example of this? You know, you're corralling the kids and getting them all going in one direction. So we really have these innate skills to be doing this. Finding your authentic executive presence is important. And feeling secure in it is even more important. As one of our clients, Carissa, who you might have met in a previous episode, said that when she was taught in her company's leadership program to shake hands like a man, she bristled against that. She said, if I have a soft handshake and that's how I shake hands, I don't want to feel bad about that. So you decide what your executive presence is going to look like and how you want to navigate these double binds that I just talked about. Once you understand the double binds, you can decide to walk on the side of aggressive when the situation calls for it, and you can decide to lean into your humility and integrity at other times. Finding your authentic leadership style can empower your success and upward growth. Developing your executive presence is different for women as well. So the most important thing to do is to first understand yourself as a leader. So doing a deep dive and really understanding what your strengths are and what you're bringing into the role that you're in. So in my program, we use a 15-point executive presence model. So there are plenty of ways that you can find what's authentic to you in those 15 points and then accept that you aren't going to be for everyone and optimize on what suits for you. Finally, I would like to give you the suggestion to learn how to soften things with humor. So if you want to apply a little aggression or even a little anger then learn how to soften that with humor or levity afterwards, because nothing can take the tone down like a, you know a good smile afterwards or a little bit of a, a softening a phrase where you know you can soften things and really bringing warmth to every discussion that can really make a big difference on how things are received from people and it it will cut down the sharp elbow connotation that we often get um, labeled with as women leaders. So those are some ways that you can get started today in developing your executive presence. Finding your authentic leadership style can empower your success and upward growth. I like to end each episode with three things you can do today to get started on this topic. So for your three shifts today, what are your feminine leadership skills that you can emphasize? Concern, integrity, humility, inclusiveness, or intentionality are all great places to start. Who do you see around you that exemplifies what you would like to have in your own executive presence? And identify a mentor that can help you develop your executive presence further. If you want to improve your executive presence, let me know in the comments if you can relate to any of these double binds. Have you ever been told or heard of another woman being told that you're being too aggressive? Have people had opinions about how you dress? Have you ever felt less confident than your male counterparts? Let us know in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube. If you'd like to learn more about how to increase your executive presence, download our Executive Presence Guide for Women Leaders, 10 Strategies for Commanding the Room. Each one is something you can implement today, and the link is in the show notes. If you want to dive deeper into women's leadership and how to move up in your career, subscribe either on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm on a mission to help more women get into leadership and stay there. And if that's aligned with you, I'd love to have you part of this community and tune into more episodes on Sister Smart Leadership that will support you in becoming the leader you want to be. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. If you're ready to fully lean into your feminine leadership and get promoted from director to vice president and beyond, hit that subscribe button so you'll get all the episodes to come and check out the recommended video here to see how women are rising up without playing by the old rules that built these male dominated industries and systems. If you're seeing just how differently women lead and how by doing so, women leaders can gain influence, restore balance and earn the recognition and promotions they deserve, I would love it if you left a rating and review. I read each one and these reviews make it possible for me to reach more women leaders like you so they can rise up as far as they'd like without getting stuck.